Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Well, I think it's quite important that um, all practitioners, regardless of what industry they provide um, advice to or um, work within an organisation, need to be fully aware of enforcement priorities of regulators such as the ACCC. Given that the Competition and Consumer Act and also the Australian Consumer Law, which is administered by the ACCC, and also the Fair Trading Agencies across Australia also administer the Australian Consumer Law. So these two pieces of law really apply to all industries, therefore all businesses that operate in all industries. In this edition of the GRC Professional Podcast, I speak to Bronwyn Gallisher about the ACCC's enforcement priorities. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Magazine and the GRC Professional News page. And with me today, I have Bronwyn Gallisher from CCL Consultants. Hi, Bronwyn. Hi. Uh, so thank you for being with us today. I mean, obviously, I've reached out to you because um, ACCC released their enforcement priorities last week, um, something that may have fallen under the radar for some of our members. So I think it's probably pretty critical to really start off with why is it important that our members should have been paying attention to the release of these priorities and their enduring priorities? Sure. Um, well, I think it's quite important that um, all practitioners, regardless of what industry they provide um, advice to or um, work within an organisation, need to be fully aware of enforcement priorities of regulators such as the ACCC. Given that the Competition and Consumer Act and also the Australian Consumer Law, which is administered by the ACCC, and also the Fair Trading Agencies across Australia also administer the Australian Consumer Law. So these two pieces of law really apply to all industries, therefore all businesses that operate in all industries. Um, this is different to, I guess, the role that ASIC plays under the Corporations Act, where it is predominantly looking at the financial services industry, whereas when we're talking about the ACCC, um, it covers all industries across Australia and also, in addition, the Trans-Tasman, mm. when we're talking about mergers and acquisitions. So I guess its reach is far greater than the, um, uh, the enforcement powers of other regulators. Right, right. And, of course, the list that they laid out was quite, I guess, was a relative, I wouldn't say a long list necessarily, but I, only a few of those things are probably relevant to our members. Um, could you identify a few that you think um, that members really should be paying attention to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the consumer guarantees are always something that features um, quite heavily. And so the, what we're talking about here is when um, through a supply chain, goods are sold and that the uh, law requires that goods are sold and that they meet the advertising expectations um, that they're fit for purpose mm -hmm. um, in that regard. And obviously, if goods don't meet the specifications of the product or fail to deliver on uh, what they're required to, the performance characteristics, it's the case that then consumers are entitled to either a refund, repair or replacement. And that really depends upon whether it's a minor or a major fault. And that that's really the determining factor as to who determines what remedy, i.e. refund, repair or replacement that, is, uh, for example, a consumer can receive. 
So the consumer guarantees relating to high-value electrical and white goods products that are supplied by large retailers and manufacturers are on the enforcement watch uh, for the ACCC. So obviously the ACCC is looking for um, large retailers and manufacturers to offer these refunds, repairs and replacements within a timely manner and distinguishing between minor and major. Um, and I guess what's happened is, is that this, um, under the Australian Consumer Law, um, we've had this in place for a number of years now, since 2011. Uh, so a number of consumers have, have purchased high-value products and will be looking at is it the case that this product should last uh, five years, ten years? What's a reasonable period of time for these high-value uh, electrical and white goods, the life of these goods to be lasting? Um, and hopefully we might see the ACCC running some matters through the courts to really give us guidance. And I think that's a really important point to note that um, whilst the ACCC can put out guidance notes and other regulators can, such as ASIC or APRA, um, really it is only up to the courts to give us um, the, the guidance by way of case law and that's whereby um, it would be helpful to see that in terms of consumer guarantees. That's certainly one big area. Um, obviously we're seeing um, movement in terms of um, anti-competitive conduct in the financial services sector um, and we're also seeing the ACCC look at uh, anti-competitive and unfair business practices in terms of uh, commercial construction markets. So that's another big area. Um, the ACCC also is ensuring that small businesses receive protections under the Competition and Consumer Act relating to the Franchising Code of Conduct, which is a mandatory code, and also under the Australian Consumer Law in terms of unfair contract law. So um, we might see, I guess, a few more cases running through the courts in terms of unfair contracts, um, particularly pertaining to small businesses in the franchising sector or just generally um, small businesses. So um, what I just wanted to just make commentary about is that um, with these enforcement priorities, they're sometimes uh, listed to give, I guess, industries guidance where the, where the ACCC might be seeking to pursue court-based uh, outcomes rather than utilising its other enforcement tools. So that's just an important point um, I just wanted to make about why it is the case that they um, identify what their enforcement priorities are. Yeah, and I guess it's important to remind listeners as well that the ACCC also has a sort of increased, um, I think, penalties as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. So penalties under the Australian Consumer Law and also um, remembering for the fair trading agencies across the, all states and territories, um, penalties have now increased the corporations from $1.1 million mm -hmm. to $10 million, um, for breaches under the Australian Consumer Law. So that's what we were talking about before, such as the um, consumer guarantees, things like unfair contract terms, misleading or deceptive conduct, just to name a few. Um, we've also seen, I guess, a few releases and a few matters going through the courts in terms of cartel conduct. And I was just interested to know, um, I guess, from your conversations, have you seen a different attitude from businesses in terms of how they're handling cartel conduct in their larger compliance framework? I think so. I think it's become more of an issue um, given individual liability. Um, I think when you see corporations being uh, pursued through the um, 
prosecuted through the courts, I should say. Um, obviously, there's awareness, but I would say that there is now heightened awareness, given that regulators such as the ACCC are pursuing action for white-collar crime against individuals. Um, and obviously, this, I guess, has interconnectivity in what we've seen with the Royal Commission um, as well about uh, under-corporate governance frameworks about individuals being very aware of their behaviour. So we see... The ACCC institute proceedings against individuals. Mm -hmm. We're yet to see um, the courts handing down judgments for jail terms under the cartel provisions, which are up to 10 years jail terms. However, maybe this year uh, we may see a judgment um, actually coming out about individual liability. And I think that's an important point that you're raising there, um, that to understand that all laws obviously operate differently, but certainly under the Competition and Consumer Act, and the Australian Consumer Law, which is what we're talking about. There is corporate liability for a business, but also individual liability when individuals knowingly and recklessly engage in conduct. And we're certainly seeing the regulator um, pursue action, whether it be strike it, the courts agreeing to strike off individuals from running businesses mm -hmm. for you know up to three to five years, but also these um, jail terms under the Competition and Consumer Act. Right, excellent. And another thing you mentioned earlier when we were identifying, I guess, um, enforcement priorities members should be looking out for, um, and it was the Franchising Code of Conduct. And I do believe that we did see something coming out from ACCC earlier this year, um, sort of highlighting those who had violated the Code of Conduct. Is this something that you think organisations are paying enough attention to? Yeah, I guess um, what's quite interesting, just... Um not just in relation to franchising, but just generally. We're seeing um, a movement by uh, federal government in particular to introduce codes of conduct. So we actually have quite a few codes of conduct, and it's important to distinguish between those codes when they're mandatory and voluntary. Mm -hmm. um, for example, we've got um, the wheat code, we've got an agricultural code, we've got a franchising code, um, we've also got a unit pricing code for supermarkets, there's a um, there's also the food and grocery code of conduct that applies to supermarkets as well, but that's a voluntary code. Mm -hmm. So some of these codes are mandatory, and obviously franchise is one where it is a mandatory requirement to fulfil the elements, and some are voluntary where um, industry participants can decide to opt in to the codes um, and um, there's also talk you may be aware of um, discussions regarding milk levy there may it may be the case that um, a dairy code is also introduced because last year the ACCC recommended when it analysed the dairy industry that a, um, a code was required pertaining not to the retailers but rather the cooperatives and dairy farmers mm -hmm. so we might see the introduction of um, more codes um, this year when um, Parliament uh, obviously takes full force after the election. Right. And do you, do you think that these codes will be made mandatory as opposed to opt-in codes? Uh, yes, there seems to be more of a preference for um, mandatory. Um, and obviously there are benefits associated with that given that then it covers the industry as a whole rather than competitors deciding to opt, to opt in and out. Right, right. 
Excellent. So definitely something members should look out for. I mean, even if they think that some of the industries that you've mentioned aren't relevant to them, I guess it's the trend of the codes that's important, I guess, especially if we look back to maybe the financial sector and we see the development of like the banking code and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess it's also important for us to remember as compliance um, practitioners, whether we're compliance officers or compliance advisors, how codes actually operate. Mm -hmm. And that is that if a regulator was to pursue action against a company for um, alleged concerns pertaining to a code, um, that's not where the um, legal instrument actually comes from. It diverts back to the uh, legislation. And so what I mean by that is that if we take, for example, um, an issue relating to unit pricing where a supermarket hasn't priced its um, products appropriately, the OCC doesn't pursue action under the code, the unit pricing code itself, but rather diverts back to, say, the misleading or deceptive provisions under the Australian Consumer Law. Similarly, under um, with ASIC, if it has codes under the Corporations Act, ASIC will revert back to the um, Corporations Act for potential um, action. So it's a bit of a technicality, but I think it's really important for us to understand how codes operate so they don't override law like the legislation sits above the codes. Uh, Okay. Um, I guess, is there anything else um, in terms of risk and compliance? Uh, Well, not risk and compliance, but anything else coming out of the enforcement priorities you think that businesses should be paying attention to and including into their frameworks? Sure. I guess some final comments that um, product safety is always a key priority enforcement area for the ACCC and also the fair trading agencies across.